Hey guys, what's up? It's your pal Ben. Uh, I just wanted to come at you before we get too far into the podcast, uh, just to hit you with a couple things. Uh, first, I do want to say before this episode gets started, uh, in this episode we do have a brief discussion about uh, sexual assault, so if that is something that you are not super comfortable with, this may not be the episode for you, and we completely understand. Uh, be sure to check out our other episodes. You can find us on vitermedia.com as well as uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. The second thing is, uh, we talked it over as a group, and we decided to dedicate this episode in honor of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, she was an amazing woman and accomplished so much uh, for women, especially in the legal field, uh, that we thought it was only fitting that this episode was done in her honor. Uh, so thank you, RBG. Rest in power. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And yeah, guys, Doug's not here this week. But it's okay, because we have a very special guest, Miss Sandy Davis. Hi, guys. Hi, Sandy. Welcome. Yay. Thanks for having me. Woohoo. I've been excited to be on this show for, I mean, since the last time you guys did Legally Blonde, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that that is true. You messaged us like immediately. And you're like, why wasn't I on? And we're like, oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, I we, have opinions. <laughs> we had a, a crucial miscalculation not having you on the first time. So, Sandy, I think that you are uniquely um, qualified to talk about, you know, the film that we're talking about, Legally Blonde, this week. Uh, would you mind letting the viewers or the listeners know why? Yeah, so I am currently in my third and final year of law school. So I am excited to talk about... Oh, Woods and her journey in law school. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, uh, that is exciting. Uh, thank you for joining us, Sandy. Uh, but yes, we are talking about Legally Blonde this week. Uh, like I mentioned last week, this is our first of a few redo episodes that we've got. Uh, this is the first one we wanted to do because, like was mentioned, Sandy messaged us shortly after uh, our Legally Blonde episode released under our uh, Storm Jerk's name is like, hey, why wasn't I on for this? And we were like, you know, you probably should have been. So we decided to rectify that. And here we are. And uh, back in the days of some jerks who talk about movies, we received uh, two emails a week, and half of them were about Legally Blonde and how we need to redo it because we messed it up. <laughs> Apparently wow. there were some things that we missed. <laughs> People are very opinionated about this movie, clearly, as they should be. I don't know how many emails we get. That was just a joke. (laughs) No, not that many, but it's fine. So Legally Blonde came out in 2001. Yes. It's PG-13 for jokes about body parts. And uh, it's it's directed by a Robert Lukedic. I don't know who that is. (laughs) Uh, this uh, This is a movie... Uh, that Reese Witherspoon is known for, so she's in the lead role, and also stars Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, Matthew Davis, Victor Garber, Jennifer Coolidge, Holland Taylor, Ali Larder, and a young Linda Cardellini. (laughs) Uh, I had to look it up to remember uh, who that was. (laughs) 
But yeah. Elijah, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Reese Witherspoon produce this movie? Hmm. I'm not looking it up now. Actually. Now I have to look that up. Stand by, please. Produced by, thank you, <laughs> MDB. Uh, she's not listed. No. Okay. I had I had it confused with something else. As anyway. a matter of fact, it looks like they're all men. That's interesting. <laughs> How apropos. How, uh, <laughs> that's not the right word. How typical it would be. One of, one of the pr- producers is a Rick Kidney. What was the name of that one character in the movie? His last name was Kidney. Do you remember that? Like I Dave Kidney remember. or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh... I sorry, I, I didn't study for this test, but um, apparently none of us did. <laughs> yeah, his name's David Kidney in the movie. He's the really dorky guy on uh, on IMDb. Yeah, he he's is. actually listed as Dorky David Kidney. <laughs> he sure is. That is amazing. It also, oh, this I should have mentioned this. This also stars Bruce Thomas as UPS guy. Very important role. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, we've all seen it because we've done an episode about it before. Uh, so if you go back and listen to our episode on some drinks, you can. Hear the rest of our, um, you know, collective experience with the film. But Sandy, uh, what is your experience with this film? How did you find it? What is? I knew you were going to ask this question, and I honestly don't remember the first time that I watched Legally Blonde. But I do know I really don't. But I do know that I watched it a lot when I was studying for the LSATs to get into law school because I was like if Elwoods can do it I can do it too (laughs) so (laughs) what like it's hard what like it's hard yeah exactly (laughs) except (laughs) it is really hard so (laughs) well I I watched this movie for the first time uh for the podcast for some jerks and same I mean I had watched clips before that people had shown me before, and I had seen, like, a song from the musical. Have you seen the musical, Sandy? I, yes. I think I have seen the musical all the way through once. It's hilarious. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. I think think Doug likes it as well. Um, That sounds about right. Yeah, but I, you know, I saw the movie then, and I, I, I didn't listen to the podcast, um that we did before because I didn't want to be biased at all. And I just, I didn't really like, I I was honestly getting this movie mixed up with another one that we did. (laughs) I was getting the plot mixed up. I can't even remember the name of it now, but um, it was, it was another like nineties ish movies with a girl who is like uh, really blonde. Clueless. No, it's clueless. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I was like, did this happen? And I was like expecting something that happened in Clueless to happen. I was like, where's Paul Rudd? I don't remember. I thought Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is Elwood so, going to end up with Paul Rudd? <laughs> I just got the confused. <laughs> so, but anyway, you know, a, a good movie. Just, that was me. That was all on me. I'll take that. I anyway. saw this movie for the first time in preparation for our our old episode on it. Um, and I saw bits and pieces of it again recently, and I was around uh, some family of friends, and, including a couple like eleventh uh, grade boys, I think, around that age, and they were loving this movie. 
they were like eating it up with a spoon. Uh, <laughs> this the scenes where you're supposed to like pump your fist in the air, mm-hmm. they were pumping their fists in the air, and the scenes when you're supposed to be reviled, they were like ready to throw the TV <laughs> out the window. They were so into it. It kind of made me like this movie a little bit more. That's awesome. There is something for everyone in this movie. <laughs> I'd say uh, I watched it uh, like both Tristan and Elijah for the first time in preparation for the podcast. I have not watched it since. Oh. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just don't ever find myself in a mood to be like, you know what? I want to watch Legally Blonde right now. Yeah, I, I won't say that I didn't like it, but I don't really want to keep rewatching it. Right. I'm not studying oh. for the LSAT, so... Not me. <laughs> I'll well, come back to it every time. To, you know, to be fair, I, I don't want to see most movies. I, I think the podcast just lets me watch movies. I, I wouldn't watch any movies. I'd be like Ben if I didn't have the podcast. I wouldn't have seen anything. Hey, I watch movies now. You do now, and I do too yeah. now. This podcast has made us all so much more cultured. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Now we know how to have conversations with people and things like that. It's great. And, and some of us still aren't very tech savvy. It's fine. That's as yeah, long guilty. as you <laughs> as long as you know how to have the proper conversations with women, Elijah. So yeah, let's dive into the movie. Uh, so one thing that uh, Sandy you brought up uh, while we were talking about what to talk about, uh, this movie is very much uh, hyperbole. You know it is not something that is supposed to be taken seriously. Uh, You want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it is a satire. And I honestly didn't even pick up on that until watching it a couple of times. But Elle Woods is sort of this like hyper-dramatized idea of maybe what people think of as a woman particularly a woman from like the west coast from california um and so when she's walking around with her little dog in her hand and her pink boots you know when she's i object you know this is all supposed to be taken with a grain of salt (laughs) so uh, i will say uh watching this movie more as a satire, like you brought that up, that actually made me like the movie a whole lot more. Uh, because I remember the first time I watched this, I had a lot of issues with the whole uh, Elle Woods getting into Harvard Law School to begin with, given like what they tell us about her, like in the first parts of the movie, with like, she's pretty much painted as this like, over the top, basic white girl, like all these different stereotypes, and then she spends one week studying for the LSATs and gets into Harvard Law. Yeah, and she also comes across as somebody who's never had to work a day in her life. Right. I, I'm I'm confused. So by satire, you mean that she's she's just playing this stereotypical part, right? Yes, except like very dramatized. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people like that really exist in the world. I mean, there are people who are like it yeah. in ways, but not like, it, no. <laughs> yeah, and just like seeing that as more like, I guess, social commentary uh, helps me yes. get into it a little bit more. Uh, whereas like the first time I watched it, you know, I wasn't really viewing it like that. I was just viewing it for what it was. Yeah, On the surface. I was, right. Yeah, I will say this, the... The, the writers sort of tease you a little bit. Like, Elle Woods was never stupid. 
Right. And she never comes off. I mean, like, she never presents herself that way. Because if you take, like, one of the first scenes in the movie where she's going dress shopping for her, what she thinks is going to be her engagement date, she tricks this store employee. And she knew all along. Mm -hmm. She knew it, like, all along. But, you know, like, everyone saw her and thought she was just some dumb bimbo and in all reality she's actually incredibly intelligent yeah she questioned the store clerk like she was a witness on the stand Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, in the first scene so the first time we watched this movie i definitely did not pick up on it um but this time around i did think okay that was the writers giving us a little hint of where she's going and why she's actually capable of doing these things Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's um you know, much needed to see something like this, uh, just given, you know, like the way that society is. Uh, I mean, there are so many different male dominated fields. And a lot of times, like, you know, we as humans, like either in movies or in, in real life, like we see women in these male dominated fields that are not treated equally. They are generally not looked highly upon. Um, I can't speak to it in the legal field, but uh, my background is in journalism, where uh, specifically sports journalism, where that is a huge deal. Like women in, who work in sports journalism are pretty much seen as you're there to be a pretty face. Um, and more often than not, are not taken seriously. And then you've got people like uh, uh, the professor I had when I was at UGA, uh, who was who covered the Olympics for the USA Today incredible journalist like she is honestly one of the most amazing people i've ever met um but she's someone that like she wasn't there because she was a pretty face she was there because she was good at her job yeah i mean i'll say this i think and i'm not a hundred percent sure but i'm pretty sure i heard this that in the law school that i go to my graduating class is the first class where there are more women than men and this law school has been around for over a hundred years, I think. So it took Thank us a hundred years to get equal representation as far as graduation rates go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and that I think doesn't even get into like in the field what that representation is like. Right, and I'll say another thing about this. I don't think if you were to walk into any law school today or into the legal field and to ask any female lawyer, particularly probably under the age of 30 or 35, if you were to ask them if there were a single film, that woman, if there was a singular film that sort of inspired their journey in or through law school, 99% of the time it would be legally blonde. Like this film has actually had in some ways, an almost revolutionary effect on women in the field. It has inspired countless women to continue to pursue their dreams in the legal field. So what, really are, awesome. what are some things that this movie does with Elle in particular uh, that kind of contribute to this satire and this commentary? What does the movie do with her that's like, oh, that's good? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I think it's, you know... It's it starts to set her up like we talked about as a sort of valley girl, and, but that's <clears throat> that's just her personality in a lot of ways. It's not her saying that she's stupid. It's just that's just 
She likes pink. She likes her dog. She likes, you know, all these. She likes clothes. She studied it in college. Like, she has a bachelor's degree in this kind of thing. She studied it. She studied fashion. She knows it, you know. Um, and she goes into a different topic, such as law. And, um, you know, which encompasses, like, everything. <laughs> anyway. Um, but she, But as she goes into it and she's, like... She starts actually, you know, studying and working on things. She 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 starts doing it. I mean, she, the whole reason she goes to Harvard is because she's chasing a guy. Um, but I mean, it it I would say it pretty quickly changes to her. Like she has other motivations. She wants to help this client that she meets eventually. Um, I mean, like she just works her butt off for this. Like it's not like she's. She, I mean, she very quickly assesses the situation and handles it. Um, so I, I don't think it... I mean, but she's still herself. She still has these things about her. She's, if anything, she's just more professional and she's more learned in her in the field that she's gone into. And that shows as the movie goes on. That's, I think throughout the entire film, we see like her determination... Um, her focus of that determination kind of shifts throughout the film from like, you know, trying to win Warner back to uh, trying to prove that like she's in Harvard law. She deserves to be here uh, to, you know, uh, starting to work for Callahan and like proving that like she uh, isn't just there because she's a pretty face. She's there because she deserves to be there because she's good at what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the best moments in the movie, there's a, a scene where the switch is flipped for her. And it's when uh, Vivian tricks her into showing up at the party in uh, this gaudy, lewd costume <laughs> because Vivian says, oh, it's a costume party. You probably wouldn't lo- wouldn't like it. She shows up in costume and nobody else is in costume. Whatever, she shakes it off, goes to talk to Warner. I almost called him Chad. Um, <laughs> I mean, he... Uh, and and it, that conversation ends with her saying, I'm never going to be good enough for you, am I? <clears throat> and she leaves, and the switch has just flipped for her. And from then on, she's not doing this for him. She's doing it for her. That's a great moment in the movie. I like that a lot. So I think it's a really important moment for her, too. Well, it, it's not... It's Her costume... I mean, this is an important point to make, I think. Um, her It's not like her costume was lewd. Like, I guess you could say it was inappropriate for the occasion, of course. But it wasn't like she wasn't like naked or anything, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't think that was her. And I think this goes back to this just being a part of her personality. She finds a thing that looks cute to her, or she likes that thing, and she that's like her costume. She's gonna wear it. I mean, you could make the argument that she's trying to win over Warner if he's gonna be there, right? It's uh. It just reminded me of a particular scene from Mean Girls. You know the one. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen it. Yes, I do. <laughs> I will say this: while we're sort of talking about costuming, you really see the progression of her character through her hair and her costume, which is kind of funny, because she starts the very first scene we see all this, with this big, poofy, beautiful blonde hair and a pink dress and as she moves throughout the movie her dress and her hair gets more and more stereotypical 
she and it gets to the point where she's in basically all black and her hair is straight so you see her sort of it's almost she's not losing herself but she's sort of like you guys said she goes from sort of doing this for Warner to trying to prove that she belongs to finally realizing she belongs and doing it for herself. And when she sort of realizes that is when she goes back to her pink dress and big blonde hair. And like, even through all this, like, I mean, like you said, she doesn't lose herself. Like the reason that she makes that big break at the end is because she realized that you can't get a perm wet within 24 hours. And she caught um, Chutney in the lie right there. And if she was just some standard law student who has no history with fashion and hair, they probably wouldn't have known that. The prosecutor was a woman and she didn't know it. Right. There were other women who were working uh, with Callahan too. The judge was mm-hmm. a woman. There were That's women good, in the jury. None of point. them said anything about it. But her friend who came to the trial literally spit her gum out, raises her hand and is like, I know, I know. Right. Right. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben. Y'all already know why I'm here. I am here to hit you up with some announcements. Before I do though, Uh, I do just want to say a quick thank you to each and every one of you for taking some time out of your day to listen to some random people on the internet talk about Legally Blonde. I mean, you could probably do that in a bunch of different places, but the fact that you, you know, decide to listen to us specifically, that's really cool. So yes, thank you for showing your support. Speaking of support, the easiest way that you can continue to show your support for us is by continuing to listen to us sharing us with your friends uh your nemeses nemesis nemesi one of those whoever share it with them another great way you can support us is by checking out our merch shop we've got some stickers we've got some buttons is there something else you want to see well let us know we'll see what we can do about that you can check all that out at vitermedia.com slash merch now uh another great way you can support us is by checking out our patreon Uh, We've got early access uh, episodes, we've got bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, and kind of like with the merch shop, you know, if there's something that you want to see there, let us know. Now, if you want to support a specific show, what you can do, you can just go into the show page, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, of, you know, whatever platform you're using, and you can leave us a rating and review, and that would would be so incredibly amazing. Uh, Now, that's all I've got for you. Be sure to check out the other Viter Media shows you can check all this stuff out on vitermedia.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So I think that's another thing that this film does really well. Uh, the different relationships that uh, Elle has with you know, her friends, her classmates, her peers, her professors... Uh, one of my favorite um, relationships that we see throughout or grow throughout the film is her uh, relationship with uh, the really the relationship that she has with Professor Stromwell. Like in the beginning, uh, it looks like they're going to have like this kind of combative uh, relationship, 
where like she is essentially just going to be hard ass the entire time and then like after everything happens with professor callahan she's like you're gonna let this one guy um essentially you know come on to you and you're just gonna throw everything away like pull yourself together and like that moment is just incredible uh and just like their whole relationship like she ends up uh, like introducing her to speak at the graduation. It's just really cool to see how that evolved over or throughout the whole film. Yeah, that scene um, that confirmed confirmed a headcanon for me that Harvard Law School employs spies because <laughs> Stromwell was incognito in the beauty salon spying, getting <laughs> intelligence. Um, and Emmett does the same thing. He spies for Callahan to find students for his, for his uh, what's the word? The internship? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> i'd say speaking of the hair salon i mean that's another group uh like some really cool relationships that we see elf form it, it took me a while to process what you just said elf form no i got yeah. it now <laughs> yeah so i think that the hair salon slash nail salon is the place where Elle goes to be herself it's like her her comfort zone her her safe space it's where she can be herself 100 percent. how y'all feel about paulette I love Paulette. Love her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the relationship between Elle and Paulette is is um, my single favorite thing about this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't just see Elle grow. Like, we see Paulette grow, too. Like, when we first meet her, she is not confrontational at all, shies away from any kind of instance where she has to either stand up for herself or uh, do anything that would remotely be close to taking a stand. And then she not only stands up to her uh, ex-husband, but she also, you know, builds up the courage to ask out the UPS guy and they end up uh, getting married and they have a little child named L on the way. <laughs> How do we know that? Just kidding. Um... I will say this. They, I think I, what I love about their relationship is that it shows women empowering women. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's the strongest relationship in the movie, and it's between two women. It's just fantastic. Yeah. And so I think this whole movie is really good about that because mm-hmm. it takes a while, but we also see it with uh, Elle and Vivian, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we get on that, I just want to say one thing. Paulette also is a high school dropout, which I think is a cool aspect of this because all the other women um, who are powerful women in the movie are quote unquote educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paulette's a high school dropout and like, it's okay. You know, she's still a strong woman. She still, uh, grows and becomes who she needs to be. Anyway, Vivian. Yeah. Uh, Vivian's <laughs> a really cool character. Uh, I think she honestly has some of the best character development in the movie mm-hmm. because she, I mean, she starts off as this very kind of uptight, you know, very cocky, like, oh yeah, I belong here, you don't, very snobbish, and then ends up becoming Elle's best friend. I have an issue with it. Okay. <gasps> yeah. I, I, here, here's the thing, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> of course, always, um, but... We always will. We, so, uh, let's take Elle, for example. She is herself the entire movie. I mean, she, she becomes more professional, and she becomes more learned, like, learned, <clears throat> and I think... Towards the end, when she is getting into this, like Sandy, you said it already, at, like as she's becoming a lawyer, she 
tries to be what she thinks she should be, but then at the end she goes, you know, she reverts back to still professional, but still her. Um, I, I, I don't think Vivian, right? Yeah. Or, um, I, I don't, I, I can't, I don't think she was ever, I don't even know who Vivian is. Like, is that really, I haven't seen her, like, I know who she is, as a, like, I know which one she is, but I'm like, I don't know who she is. Like, what's her character like? Like, which is it? Is she like a like a stuck up bitch, <laughs> or is she, <laughs> or or is she this like, you know, like oh wow, I I I was a stuck up bitch. I'm no longer that now. Um, like I, I I'm just lost with that. I think more than anything, what it is is that at the beginning of the film, she sees Elle as a threat. Like, I think she is very understanding. Like. In the legal field, like, you don't typically see women of power. Like, women are typically there or are seen as being there because they're a pretty face. Add in that, you know, she was originally coming there to win Warner back, who she is now engaged to. And she sees Elle as a threat uh, and not doing anything to, you know, really empower women. Like, she's just there in her mind because she's a pretty face. And then after she, you know, gets to know Elle, sees her for who she truly is, she's able to overcome that and starts to see her as more of an equal, as a friend. Yes. Does that help? Yeah. And yeah, I have more uh, questions, but I want to hear what Sandy has to say. Yeah, I think one of the more nuanced aspects of Vivian's character that can, I think, can get lost on people. Oh, well, I, I feel like I understand Vivian as someone who's in law school. <laughs> Vivian is your typical law school student. She is hyper competitive. And law school is a very competitive environment. And she will do, and you see this at the beginning of the movie, she will do what she has got to do to be number one. But then, and again, this is, I feel like, what I've seen in my law school experience. That competition turns into mutual respect. Like, Elwood's does something very different than I do, but I respect her as a strong woman who is doing what she's doing. And Vivian also is the coffee maker. So she sort of represents the typical, here's what women do in the legal field. They make coffee and go get donuts. I gotcha. I I have, okay. <laughs> Qu- it, question for everyone. Is, first of all, is Vivian petty? Oh, yeah. Is she extra? She is, um, no. you know, she's... She turns out to be grown enough to admit when she's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm talking about the beginning, though, like the first half. Yeah. Of yeah. Okay. A, Why? I don't know that I would say extra as much as like Sandy was saying, like overly competitive. I, I I hear you on that. I'm just I'm just like, why does she need to be petty? Like, I you you can be competitive and not be that way about it. Uh, I mean, I I've I've seen it. I agree. I agree. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about law school, and here's the okay. reason Vivian kicked. Give me well, the, the reason that I think Vivian kicked L out of class is because in law school, you're graded on a curve, which basically means something that I something you don't know for the test is a point for me on my final exam. So you are fighting literally fighting with your classmates for points so if i can get i mean this is very dramatic and 
you know, hopefully most students, most students don't do this, but her thought process is if, if there's something that I can do to make sure I can get a couple extra points and do better, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I see it. Okay. That's, I would, think also part of it is someone? like you were talking about earlier, Sandy, like she's seen as the coffee maker. Like she's only there to make coffee and get donuts and she's making uh, what she's trying to accomplish look bad because she's just uh, like in Vivian's mind, she's just this kind of airheaded diva who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when she starts to come around and realize otherwise... She misunderstands a scene that we'll talk about later um, and thinks, oh, no, uh, Elle is, is actually not the real deal. She did cheat her way to the top. Mm-hmm. And so her, her, her apparent pettiness at the end is not pettiness. It's, I, I guess, uh, disillusionment. Like she really thought Elle was the real deal and then had her dreams crushed. And then, uh, then she had uh, another illusion crushed. Um, and from a plot perspective, I'll say criticism. I think that was a little lackluster when uh, the the truth was blown by Luke Wilson's character just casually saying what happened, and then Vivian going, "Ah, oh, Vivian, you dummy!" You know, yeah, <laughs> that was it, kind of. It felt like the the movie set up for something that we didn't get payoff for. Um, but I still, I mean, I still like Vivian's character by the end. Like I get her. Sure. But it's almost in that scene like it's like Vivian was saying, "Oh heck yeah, I am petty." Oh, okay, let me just not do that real quick, and I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand. I can understand how you would feel that way. I can, I get that. I get that. I get. I mean, I you know, I don't. I don't get the. Com- I'm, not, I'm not in law school. I don't get the competition, but I understand how it's super competitive. I just there's 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 like one too many side eyes, little little like. Little of those, <laughs> like little. I give a that was good audio to everyone. <laughs> that was good um, audio, Tristan. <laughs> for me, that that leads that sort of plays into the hyperbole. Like Elwood's is not the only one who is over who is over dramatized. Like Vivian is okay. also. Okay. So that's why she good like point. puts her hand on Warner's. You know, Warner's back and makes these like little glances at Elle. Like she is an over-dramatized version of a very competitive law student. So kind of uh, going off of that, uh, we didn't really talk about this the last time because we didn't have someone who was in law school. Um, but how does, um, like what we see here, how does that compare with like how things actually work in law school? Like is it mostly pretty accurate uh, apart from like the hyperbolic things that we see? I mean, I have never had a professor kick me or anyone else out of class. I don't think it's <laughs> that bad. Um, but I definitely, there are definitely professors who will sit right next to you and ask you a question and then wait five minutes, ten minutes, however long for you to answer the question. Oh, yeah. And that That's happens. Terrifying. Oh, it's absolutely awful. And it's awful for everyone else in the class who is watching you sweat as you have to answer the question. <laughs> um, the Socratic method, yes, that definitely happens in law school. We call it cold calling, which is basically where the professor looks down at their little attendance sheet and goes, Miss Davis, tell me about this case. And then you have to answer all of his questions for the next 60 minutes. I just really uh, no, I, yeah. I took one law class in college, and Ben did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And 
Yeah, Dr. Lee. Communication law with Dr. Lee. Cool. Yeah. And he was, was it like in that. the law school? No, no. Uh, it was. It's a journalism class. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the only one we had to take. But I mean, I learned a whole lot. It was hard. Um, but I learned a lot about communication law. And he did that. He would, you know, the first also two rows. Also learned a lot about pop culture. Yeah, because he had a, a quiz like every class period. Um, but the, like, the first two rows, he called them the hot zone, and that and that was like if you were sitting in the hot zone. Then he could literally just point at you and, you know, and he knew everyone's names and he would just ask you a question about the case. And then he would also just look at his sheet sometimes and say a name. I could get in my He would just experience. like go down like the row and just point at people until they yeah, no, that was said horrifying. the right thing. <laughs> and, and we can confirm that he got the phrase hot zone from this movie, right? I fully believe that. <laughs> I don't know. I think he did. I think he got a lot of what he does from this movie. Does he also do the bend and snap? Or... <laughs> As I call it, <laughs> as I like to call it, the swish and flick. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't, but maybe he could. I fully believe he would do something like that. So, Sandy, are there other characters besides Elle and Vivian that are law school stereotypes? Yes, actually, yes, there are four of them. So if you're... In your mind, go to the scene where they're all sitting in their little, like, I guess you can call it their orientation or their breakout groups. And it's like Elle and the two guys and another girl. All of these people are law school stereotypes. So what was it? Kidney was the last name? Yeah, uh, Dorky David Kidney. Kidney. So he represents something of that in law school we call the gunner, who is someone who always has the answer. And always raises their hand and always wants to give the answer. Sort of like the Hermione in Harry Potter. Once again, swish and flick, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Except gunners are not looked upon favorably in law school. They're actually people look on them with disdain because no one likes no one likes the person who thinks they know it all, basically. <laughs> um, and then who else? Then there's Enid Wexner. She sort of represents this like really progressive and empowered women woman and so this is another like stereotype that i think the movie plays on is that there are two types of women in law school there are the outwoods who are there to look pretty pretty and then there are the enid wexers who are there who have an agenda and they're going to push it 100 percent. you know which in reality is not the case uh, and then the other stereotype, you don't see him a lot, but he's actually in a lot of the background scenes, and he is hilarious. If you go back and watch for him in some of the classes, it's funny. But he's sort of the guy who thinks he's just going to cruise through law school, that he's smart enough to just kind of like do the bare minimum and do well. Uh, yeah, he, he leads by saying what his IQ is. <laughs> there is always one, guys. I'm telling you, there's always one. Uh, and then Warner is sort of the stereotypical, uh, I don't, stereotypical in the sense that like he's the male stereotype in the movie and is sort of, I'm here because I have daddy's money and he got me here. So those are kind of your, those are stereotypes that you do sometimes see in law school, particularly the gunners. You'll see, you'll see the gunners always. You'll always see a gunner in law school. Well, thank you for that. Um, so one last thing I want to talk about, uh, we've kind of like briefly mentioned it, but we haven't really talked about it. Uh, you know, earlier we were talking about Elle's relationships with 
uh, different people throughout the movie. Uh, but there's one key relationship that kind of presents the major conflict of the film, and that's her relationship with Professor Callahan. Um, Sandy, I see that look, and I completely agree. Uh, Sandy just kind of made a very disgusted look, and that's how I feel every time I think of Professor Callahan. What? Uh, disgust? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we had a we had a nice roundtable discussion about Callahan on our on our. Uh, first episode mm-hmm. on Legally Blonde back in the Dizzy, and uh, about how at first we were like, oh yeah, man, this guy, he's he really, he's like, believes in her, he's giving her a chance, mm-hmm. and he turns out to be Scuzz. Um, and I noticed this time around that Vivian gives you a hint. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sandy's nodding. <laughs> so I think I missed that. Vivian is the one who points out that Callahan never asked Warner to go get him coffee. He always asks Vivian. Oh, yeah. And so it, it ends up, it culminates in that scene where they're in Callahan's office and he hits on Elle and then she's like, oh, he didn't want me here because I know what I'm doing, uh, but because he likes the way I look or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's really funny because like at the end of the film, we see that Warner does not graduate with honors. He does not have any job offers out of school. Like He's not a very good student. Yeah, he he didn't earn his way there for sure. Well, he he's just a student because he. I mean, he everything that he has done so far is because it's what he thinks he's supposed to do because of his family. I mean, that's his whole mm-hmm. character is like, I have to do this because my family thinks this, and he's just like, that's all, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and Elle actually does the opposite because her family doesn't expect her to do anything. <laughs> yeah, um, like they're even surprised when she says that she wants to go to law school. They're like. Why? Yeah. Law school is for boring, ugly people. <laughs> I can attest that might be true. Sometimes. But not usually. So, um, bringing Callahan back to satire. Like, what do we... And maybe maybe it's different in 2020 than it was in 2001. Like, what is, what is Callahan's role in the satire? Why is he here? The way that I see Callahan is the sort of culmination of the stereotype that I am a man or a person, a man particularly in power, and because of that I can do what I want. And so I objectify women in particular ways. And Callahan's foil is Emmett, who graduated third in his law school class, was editor-in-chief of the Law Review, which is a really distinguished position and doesn't use that position to get what he wants basically yeah and he um in the in the final court scene callahan refuses to uh put his name down as the supervisor Mm -hmm. you know the scene i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know correct terminology to use but i think they said supervisor and uh callahan says i'm not down for that and emmett immediately is like i'll do it So he's the real deal. He's the one who actually wants to support Elle. Can I just say this, too? This, I think, back, you know, 20 years ago when this came out, I don't think 20 years ago Callahan's behavior toward Elle Woods would be uh, characterized as sexual assault. But today we would probably call that some form of sexual assault, using a position of power to get a sexual favor uh what's important is that when l tells emmett he believes her which is totally revolutionary 20 years ago i think 
honestly, I think it's still unfortunately revolutionary today. Right? He didn't question her. He didn't say, well, why were you in his office alone? What were you wearing? Why were you there? It was, don't, that's terrible. I can't believe he did that. Right. Yeah, he says, screw Callahan. Stay. Yeah, right? It's huge. Because she's thinking about leaving. I, I was actually thinking, you know, Callahan, because uh, you, Sandy, you brought it up that, you know, 20 years ago, this was maybe characterized as something different. And I think Callahan is seen as like, like not like, obviously, this is not a thing that you should do. But we wouldn't <laughs> have categorized it as something like evil as we would now. You know what I mean? Like, it's different. Um, and, but, so you look at that and then you look at, um, Emmett and back then Emmett was like a knight in shining armor for like, wow, you believed her and wow, you did this and that when now I, I, I was thinking now maybe Emmett's just a guy, like he's just being like a a regular good guy. Like, it's not like he's like a superhero. He's just a dude. So he's almost gone down to just dude level rather than being a superhero. <laughs> and Callahan's gone down from being just a bad guy to an evil person. Right. And I wonder if this says something about our society. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and you know, talking about um, what we would or wouldn't call this in 2001, what they call it in the movie is uh, Callahan hit on her. That's the phrase they use. Um I'm sure, I mean, even in 2001, uh, but even pre-Me Too movement, anybody paying attention would at least recognize that it's an abuse of power. It's not just, it's not as innocent as hitting on somebody. And then now we would call it sexual assault. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's, I mean, you're right. It's definitely an abuse of power. Right, because he was her opportunity. And she knew that and he wanted to use it. So yeah, he's, he's an abuser. He's not just a bad guy. Um, and I th- I'm sure even in 2001 that came across. I mean, I was in the first grade, but you know, I don't I don't really know what adult life was like in 2001. But I, I'm pretty sure it came across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, looking at that as an adult, it's like, well, even I mean, especially now, um, it, it's like that could have gone so bad. Imagine if that door was just closed. I don't know. I mean, like. I, I'm laughing, but like, wow, like just, so I don't know. It's, we it's could have had, we could have had a Harvey Weinstein situation basically, which would have been really awful. Like it, like it wouldn't have just been hitting on. It would have been actual characterized as a sexual assault. I want to talk about my least favorite thing about this movie. Well, what's that, Elijah? The very ending. What'd you not like about I it? I think, Why? uh, I think it would have been a really good move for them to cut it off right after her graduation speech just give you that last hoorah but instead they give you uh footnotes what term do we use what are these called but it's like the credits are not rolling i just have to say you did this intentionally but footnotes is a really ironic word for that because it has (laughs) a particular connotation in law school yeah well they they mention footnotes in the movie and it's like for this class you need to pay attention to the footnotes there you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm going to call them. Because it's not during the credits. It's not a post credit scene. This is during the movie proper that they decide <laughs> to give you just the summary of like 
what they all did in the next few years and who's getting married and who's having babies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, it's just some like resolution uh, without like having to show all of that stuff. Oh, I hated it all. I think <laughs> the movie resolves. The movie resolves exactly the way it needs to, right before the words start scrolling across the screen. You have all the information that you need to know. Uh, you see Paulette and the UPS guy together. That's enough. You don't want to know that they were having a little baby girl named Elf? I don't need to know that stuff. The movie resolves, and the the worst part of it is when they tell you about Elle and Emmett's relationship. Mm-hmm. And largely because, and we've said this on the podcast before, I hate, and you guys have agreed with me, I hate the way that movies feel compelled against all their better judgment to ham-fist romance into every story. Every story don't need a romance. I'll tell you, I mean, I'll agree with that. Uh, Emmett and Elle, while I think they are both good people, I don't think they need to be in a relationship at the end of this movie. Yes, and you know, there were small hints that it might happen, like when they give each other little lingering looks. But there wasn't anything in the movie that was like, oh yeah, well, they're obviously digging each other and they're going to start dating and get married. He, I honestly would have liked it better if they just let him be a friend who supports her because she's good at what she does. The fact that they end up together could be twisted to make it a little less innocent, actually. I don't want to say that because I do like that they made Emmett this supportive character. I just wish they had let him be that and just be done with it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it just feels forced. Like, I'm kind of with you, Elijah. There is a little at fault in this movie, but their relationship does feel a little bit forced. Like a sort of last minute, here's for the women who want, or not just women, but like here's for the people who want romance in the movie. It's like, I didn't really, I figured it out. I can put two and two together. They ended up together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to kind of follow up on that thought in general of like forcing things, uh, in general, I mean, a lot of movies just it's almost like they need to have a we need to know where the characters are going like like i don't i don't always need that i don't need that for movies a lot of my favorite movies end. it's just you're seeing especially coming of age stories particularly but that's another topic i mean you just see a snippet of someone's life and it it, it continues it's going to go on or whatever we don't need you don't need a like a, a huge climax or a giant conclusion just i mean i didn't need on top of what Elijah said about the, you know, forced relationship, I didn't even have a relationship. Just you know, L can just go on and graduate and then continue with her life. Maybe we see a snippet of her, like I don't know, walking into a courtroom or something. I don't know. Like just she's just existing. Awesome. She's doing her thing. That. Yeah, I will say I do love the sense of vindication I get when you hear that Warner graduates. You know, doesn't graduate with honors, graduates with no job offers, but she and Vivian are best friends. I just, I kind of personally like it, but (laughs) I don't think it's needed necessarily. All right, let's rate this thing. Uh, If this is your first time listening, we use a 1 to 100 point scale. You can kind of think of it like an ABCDF scale that you would see in a grade school. But yeah, uh, that's how we do things. Uh, Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay, Tristan. Okay, so... You know, I, 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 I looked up, 
I did look up the score I gave it last time. I'll, I'll be honest. I looked it up. But I wasn't going to copy it because I just wanted to know. Because I have to go back. We're, we're using an entirely different scale system. And I just, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll rank something that, like, I liked a lot. But I gave it something similar to it, a bad score in the old podcast. So I don't know. Um, anyway, I just want to try to be consistent. That All that being said, uh, I'm giving this an 85, actually. Uh, <laughs> give it an 85. It's it's a solid B. It's I mean it's you know it's a good movie. It's it's not like one of my favorite movies. It's not on my list of favorite movies. But um, I watched it again today and I I I enjoyed. I laughed. I actually laughed more this time than I did last time watching it. Um, and I and I knew kind of when the jokes were coming. So I don't know what that tells you, but it maybe that's some information you can have. All right. Uh, I mean, I like what you said, um, I, and I very much agree with you. I think this is a good movie. Um, like you, I'm not going to put it on like a favorites list, but I enjoy it. Uh, it's not something that I always want to watch, but if it's on, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to give this an 86. Ah, he one-upped you. I did. I was going to give this an 80 from the beginning. That's what I was thinking. It's not like me to give something the lowest score. <laughs> Um, Still but maybe you guys have, maybe you guys have talked me up to an 81. The thing is, the thing is like, I could never say like Sandy did that. I think this is one of the greatest. She put it in her like top three, which top I mean, five. you know, okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I also just can't, I, I can't bring myself to give it a C either. So yeah, just put me down for an 80. <laughs> an 80. That's so disappointing. I can... I can understand if I had watched this uh, 800 times like Sandy, I think, because, <laughs> you know, based on my last viewing and the first viewing, I liked it more the second time. So I don't know. Trends continue. Logic persists. Maybe the more I watch it, the more I like it. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's like great wine. It just gets better with age. Okay. I will, like I'm just I will seeing say, more and more every time. Yeah. Sandy, you have pointed out a few things that made me regret saying that I wouldn't rewatch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the guy that you said introduces himself with his IQ and then like, he's just in the background for the rest of the movie. Sleeping, I didn't notice him. Literally. I never noticed him for the rest of the movie. So I have to watch it again just to find his moments. There's a lots of little like funny little things like that in the movie. Maybe I've just seen it too many times, but for me, the, the legally blonde veteran who has seen it probably close to 80 times, 800 times, I'll be honest. But it is in my top fives. And so I am giving this a 94. Yes, sirree. Elle Woods not only beat the curve, she, what we would call in law school, callied the class, which means she got the highest grade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, Sorry, Doug wasn't here to do that. This I didn't week. know we were not primed on this. <laughs> I was just assuming one of y'all would do it. But yeah, uh, yeah. After plugging that into my calculator, um, we finished with an eighty-six point two five. So again, we established that I'm right. Uh, but yeah, uh, solid movie. Uh, definitely some really good things to it. Sandy, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, did you have a good time? I thoroughly enjoyed this. What a fantastic break from 
actual law school. And now <laughs> I get the pleasure of going right back to law school after this. Wow. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, read the footnotes. Yep, read the footnotes. Read the footnotes, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sandy, uh, again, thank you. Uh, to all of y'all listening, thank you as well. Uh, be sure to check out vitermedia.com for all of our other stuff. You can find us on social media and wherever podcasts can be found. Elijah, ask me what we're watching next week. Ben, what are we watching next week? Thank you for asking. I thought you never would. Uh, we are watching the 2019 Best Picture. It's Parasite. I'm really excited for this. Um, I, I love this movie. I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Winner of how many Academy Awards? Like, a few different like ones. Like four? Three? Oh, it's just two? I don't know. Sandy's giving me numbers. Uh, so I know it got Best Picture. Uh, it got Best... Um, best foreign. foreign Film. Best Foreign Film. I want to say it got another one, too. I think it Maybe. did. I think it at least got three. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll we're going to talk week. about all that next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you definitely do not want to miss that. It's going to be an amazing time. But yes, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And I'm Sandy. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week. Uh-huh.